dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to Him forever. No man's voice no on man's this episode. I am very confidently not a man, considering I'm <laughs> pregnant with my third child. <laughs> yeah, 37. You're probably coming up on 38 weeks at this point. Yeah, probably. You were don't tell the airlines. Yeah, don't tell the airlines. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so welcome, Hannah. Thank you, Mother. Mm-hmm. We are recording without Father Michael, so if you're a regular listener and you're just listening to this episode for the sake of getting a blessing at the end, then you might as well <laughs> listen it off. to a different episode yeah. where there are many. <laughs> because I can't give that kind of blessing. Um, <laughs> there's a tradition of monastic blessings, um, like blessing spiritual children and things like that. So oh. that's a thing. Well, good. Um, well, I'm covered then. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and you're all kind of, I mean, you're all my spiritual children, but that's not the kind of my blessing is not the same as a priest's blessing, so <laughs> let's be clear. <laughs> we'll leave that to, to Father Michael. So, yeah, um, you know, we had Father Michael recorded a few episodes without me, and um, I was really salty about it. Uh, just kidding. I was. You were not. Salty. I was not salty. <laughs> you were not. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy to have more time. There to was there was on. great stuff going on at Seek and all of that, but no, I don't think mm-hmm. you were salty to just live your monastic life for a while. Yeah. So, uh, but someone on our <laughs> listener advisory committee was like, um, he sent an email and said, uh, he was like, "Hey, I really liked the episodes." Without Mother Natalia, you guys should do that every once in a while. <laughs> but then he said, but then he said, you should also do some without Father Michael. And he was just saying that like it was a nice kind of dynamic shift and you know, whatever. And um, but then come back together, of course, because don't worry, Father Michael and I are not like doing a solo <laughs> thing now. It's still our shared podcast and we're still co-hosts. Yes, your like, recording <laughs> careers are taking off and you just it's time to break up the band. <laughs> Um, but the, uh, no, it was just that we both have had like crazy times recently. I wasn't at Seek and Father Michael was, so he recorded with people. And this week I just am like, I have no idea how I can get my schedule to align with Father Michael's because I am crazy busy this week. And I have Hannah here, who is one of my spiritual daughters. Um, you've like, your voice has been on the podcast a couple of times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you are, you just finished up a retreat today. And yeah. some of the stuff that you shared was really beautiful. And um, I would never share things from direction on a podcast um, other than my own direction. Uh, <laughs> but, which is basically what I do all the time. But I was like, this stuff is stuff that I think a lot of people in the world could benefit from hearing. And Hannah was very graciously open to sharing some of that with everyone. Yeah. Um, I still am. I'm not like tied up and like being held against my will. Yeah. I haven't uh, changed my mind. So it's true. So here we are. It's not that she just, because she's 38 weeks pregnant, she like can't outrun me or something. (laughs) Which is true. Well, I don't know. I'm in a boot. You are in a boot. It would be such a fair race. It would be such a fair race. Uh, Yeah. A booted monastic, but like you, you run, like, you know how to run without your boot. That is like exercise that you do. Whereas I just like am in my house. 
house, like doing stairs occasionally and getting <laughs> winded at the top of the stairs. Uh, that's because um, you live in Colorado and at a high altitude. <laughs> yes, yes. The hilarious part is that that's, I've just since moving there, like, mm, we're coming up on a year. Like, that has been the joke is that I blame the altitude for everything. <laughs> oh, such bad traffic. Blame the altitude. <laughs> yeah. All that. So, um, yeah, I just, I had a podiatrist appointment this morning. So unless you're on social media um, and happened to see an Instagram story that I posted while Father Michael was at Seek, you might not even know that I've been in a boot for three or four weeks now at this point. Um, I, I actually did not know you were in a boot because I'm yeah. not on Instagram. So I didn't know you were in a boot until like two days ago. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just, it's been... You know, my life is such a mess right now. And so the boot mm. checks out. I told, <laughs> The way I described it to Father Michael was um, life was so crazy. And I was like, it can't possibly get oh. any crazier. Mm. Oh, And then there was the a mistake. boot on my foot. <laughs> so, yeah. And so there we go. And then... Uh, I took the boot off after a few weeks, like they said I could, mm -hmm. and then the pain came back. And so I had a follow-up today, and they were like, um, MRI, PT, surgery in a few months, if it doesn't And by it. surgery, she means amputation. Amputation. Just so I'm you know. I'm my leg. <laughs> no, that is definitely not what I mean. No, I'm sorry. That is perhaps a little insensitive. It will not be amputation. <laughs> I'm confident and I'm not a podiatrist. <laughs> I, I told a whole story on a podcast one time, and... I think it's a really funny story. Oh my gosh, I'm doing it again. Ah! Maddie's going to kill me. <laughs> um, I did it on a live episode, but then oh. like the, it wasn't on the recording part. And so okay. it wasn't actually on a recorded episode. Oh, and but we're fixing, that right there, we're fixing that right now. <laughs> the people who were there were like, um, I was like, guys, let me tell you this funny story while they're figuring out the recording. And then I'm telling the story. And as I go on and on, everyone's looking at me like horrified. Like, at what point does it get funny? So um, <laughs> to save you all of that, I'm going to jump to the end of the story and say that um, my brother, because of an accident he was in, in uh, Baghdad, they, uh, where his, his Humvee ran over an IED. And this was years ago. Um, and... He, like, shattered all of the, one of the many things was he shattered all the bones in his right hand. And Ugh. so they, um, the nurses and him, like, as they're trying to save his hand, over, he was in Walter Reed for, like, a year and a half. And as they're trying to save his hand to kind of keep the spirit up, they named his hand. Oh, my. <laughs> and um, the nurses and my brother named his hand Fred. And then eventually it didn't work. They had to amputate. And they decided to name his nub Ed. Oh. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> he didn't have any fingers left. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so that's... Uh, oh, my word. It's like a really morbid sense of humor. and That's... Know. Uh, you know what? People that's are going to okay. listen to this and be like, that's the thing you edit out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not going to. No, we so, certainly are not. So welcome. Welcome, Hannah. Thanks. Um uh it's been great even my spiritual that you were my first spiritual daughter like officially that is a shock to um me. really yes because i i want to say that what i know of your other spiritual children they like live nearby 
or nearer by or in yeah, this Yeah, but you just state. jumped on it. Like, I wasn't allowed I, until life profession. Yes, and that's so true. And so you were just like, as soon as I made my life profession. See, I... Right? You, Isn't that how yeah, it happened? Yes. For all of you Marvel fans, I think you and I, Mother Natalia, remember Budapest very differently. Um, <laughs> so, so I, I did take the opportunity to write you fairly quickly um, after your life profession, but... I um I tend to be a person who gets hung up on on details, especially when I'm not feeling confident. And so I like fixate. I'm sure there's lots of you listeners who do that too. I fixate on the details so that I remember it right, so that I don't humiliate myself in the future. That's not exactly why, but um, I remember. It's nice that it my daughter my, is neurotic like me, <laughs> <laughs> like mother, like daughter. Um, but uh, I remember listening to. The episode that came out, there there was an episode that you did, um, and it was mentioned, I don't know if it was right before or right after your life profession, but it was mentioned, like, you can't have spiritual children until your life professed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, it must have been right after, and I thought, oh my goodness, I need to get on this, because my, by the time I wrote you a letter about, um, perhaps starting some kind of relationship like this. Um, I had been looking for a spiritual director for two or three years Mm -hmm. um, without much success. And um, I mean, that just speaks to like the stress and strain and the vocations crisis in the United States and things like that. Yeah. Um, But so I thought, well, you know, this could be without going into all of the details of, you know, those wonderful priests who I talked to who had to say no and things like that. Um, it seemed like a really great opportunity to write to you. Um, but I assumed it was like, oh, you know, mother's probably got friends or other people who are in the community who like would seek her out directly because they can come and sit down with you mm-hmm. um, much more frequently or much more easily than I could. Um, but so, you know, after some advice that had been given through that time, I just wrote a big fat letter and hoped for the best. Um, a big so, fat beautiful letter. <laughs> um and uh so I'm I'm shocked because at the time I was living in Montana and I'm like there's no way that this big fat beautiful letter um is going to get to her in Ohio and really like like I was more expecting like a that is such a nice gesture like I'm sure you're great but I'm, you know, already booked or already filled mm-hmm. or whatever else. So I'm amazed that from <laughs> far away, <laughs> I was the first spiritual child. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because before, yeah, before my life profession, I just, when people asked, I just said, no, I can't do it. And I didn't have a waiting list. I didn't, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so then you were the first one after life profession to ask. So there we go. Um, and, um. Yeah, I'm booked at this point, so I'm <laughs> sorry to anyone who asks at this point because I have to say no, but uh, it is a gift. I really love mothering, so it's a gift. Uh, um, but the kind of mothering that I do is very different than the kind of mothering that Hannah does, and so uh, in a lot of ways, in some ways it's it's similar, and I thought it would be kind of neat to talk about some of your insights, Hannah, on 
the married life. Like you said, you're pregnant with your third. So you've had a little bit of experience at this point. Yeah. And um, some of the stuff that you've shared is like, I think really good for our listeners. And it's different. It's coming from a different perspective than either Father Michael or myself obviously can share. So I thought that that could be fruitful. Um, And... Yeah. So uh, I'm not just putting Hannah on the spot here. I'm not abusing our spiritual mother, spiritual daughter relationship. We went over ahead of times the things that she was comfortable sharing. So as I ask questions, just know that I'm not like, um, yeah, taking advantage there. So Hannah, could you start by maybe sharing what you're comfortable with of just like your relationship with your husband in general and some of the things that you've been thinking about recently that you've shared with me yeah. and so on and so forth. Yeah, for sure. Um, Maybe how you met, how long you've been married, things like that. <laughs> sure. Briefly, at least. Um, let me preface, not too much, but let me just say, like, it it has become apparent and important to me uh, in the time that I've been married and been a mother to... Um, remind people who I'm speaking with, whether it's in, you know, a lighthearted way or um, more seriously, like my, my own specific experiences are exclusive to all of the things, all of the years that have led up to where I am right now. Um, And so I hope that for the ways that my story sort of doesn't resonate or like you you know, you're a single guy living in, you know, Tennessee for some, you know, uh, listening to this, like, I'm, I'm hopeful and confident that the Holy Spirit will still be able to offer you something, Mm. even though our experiences are so different. But the same goes for other moms living in the same place with the same number of kids and all of those things. Um, There's different paths and different, um, just things that are asked of us in our own spiritual lives, um, in our vocations and things like that. Um, That I hope, you know, as we've talked, (laughs) I hope that you hearing, oh yes, this pregnant lady is going to come on and she's so very different from me. And I don't think that there would be much for me to learn or identify with or or things like that. Um, Just give the Holy Spirit a chance to show you something. Not Mm -hmm. that I think that I am the best mouthpiece but he certainly can can answer your questions in his own time uh so so there's that I hope there's a nugget here for everyone (laughs) um so that being nuggets man I really want Chick-fil-a we can try to make that happen we can try we might do that on the way to the airport today all right I'm game I'm good with that uh yep so my name's Hannah I'm an only child uh, cradle Catholic. I'm a Latin Catholic, Byzantine in my heart. Um, I love coming here. It's uh, not because it's very different, but there's so much um, beauty that's easy to see in how different it is from my usual, like going to various uh, Latin parishes. I live in Colorado Springs right now with my husband. Um, so there's a number of parishes to choose from. Um and, you know, architecture is different and littered, like the the um, music and things are all different. And so there's there's lots to choose from that is Latin. Um, but coming here and having a really unique monastic Byzantine experience um, really kind of shines the light differently on the 
how dynamic our Catholic faith is. Mm. Um, so, yes, yeah, so much more familiar with the Latin rite. Grew up cradle Catholic, uh, but did have some... Uh, my <clears throat> my mom was the Catholic in the relationship, and my dad was a denomination of Protestant that I can never remember the name. Um, but in what I gained from his faith was a great confidence to, um, like, look things up in the Bible. Like, mm-hmm. I know the order of the books of the Bible and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so, not that I am incredibly well-read in the scriptures, but I do have confidence to at least open the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, I went to World Youth Day in Madrid between graduating from high school and going to college. Uh, my husband and I both went to University of St. Thomas and St. Paul, so shout out to everybody who's there who listens. Um, <clears throat> I grew up in the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, and uh, my husband, Colin, grew up in the St. Cloud Diocese. Um, so shout out to the Elk River Catholics mm-hmm. and the Plymouth Wyzetta Catholics who are out there who happen to listen. Um, and we both ended up at St. Thomas. Uh, he uh, He's one of four. So he's the third boy and then has a younger sister as well. And all four of them went to St. Thomas for undergrad, um, all for different things. Um, I went for communications, but we ended up meeting through sort of a social, um, like a really low-key social, like the the floor, the Catholic men's floor that he was living on was doing a social with the Catholic women's floor. Hmm. Um, I went, although I was kind of not invited, um, <laughs> and we were all playing sand volleyball, and I, the person who was not invited, got the ball stuck in a tree. <laughs> so I very swiftly and embarrassingly ended that social because there were no other volleyballs. Um, but at that point, Colin was like, um, and what's your name? <laughs> Um, but that was, that was kind of the moment where it was like the rest is history. We, um, like took opportunities to hang out, not playing sand volleyball. That was the end of that for me. Um, but we took opportunities where other Catholic men's and Catholic women's floor people were going to be around. Um, and I think people around me specifically saw before I did one that Colin was interested in me, but two, like, uh, no, you're at least going to date. Whether or not you end up together long-term, like, you're at least going to date, you know. Um, and he's 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 just great. I, I can gush about my husband. <laughs> um, it's fun to think back. She often those. does gush about him. <laughs> I, kind of, I kind of do. I won't say that I don't. Um, but he's just... He's just really wonderful, uh, and I think part of um, the reason that it can be easy to think back very fondly and kind of gush um, is because we were very clearly convicted when we got to college that if we were going to enter a romantic relationship, there were for sure boxes that need to be checked. Somebody who's a practicing Catholic who takes the faith seriously, who isn't just going to want to, you know, mess around or just date socially or mm-hmm. the, that sort of thing. Um, we Kind of like that kid asked me at the school yesterday. Mm, you remember yes, yes. <laughs> I, was, uh-huh. I was talking to kids yesterday <laughs> and then there was a Q&A and this, this kid, he's probably like a seventh grader maybe. And um, the kids were shocked to find out that 
I can't be married um, right. because these kids like don't even know don't what a know nun them. is. And so then in a state of utter confusion, this kid raises his hand <laughs> and I said, yeah, you have a question. And he says, well, can you like have a boyfriend? And I was like, um, we're, we're working backwards. No. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, not to get lost in the weeds of the details, um, but we were very clear if we were going to date, it was going to be with a purpose. Uh, and I think not everybody comes to that sort of clear understanding of it uh, as quickly, quickly um, like Catholics and otherwise. Um, but we both uh, were very committed. Like if, if we're going to enter into a romantic relationship, our responsibility both to the other person, but to the eventual sacrament of marriage is to take it seriously and do it as a discernment. Mm-hmm. Um which was super easy for us because we were both huge nerds. And so we had a lot of things that we liked in common and um, our senses of humor played very well with each other. Um, he was incredibly chivalrous and still is. Um, but yeah, it was just very easy to say yes when he asked me to go on a date and to be his girlfriend and and all of that. Um, so we dated for four years through um, college, which... I've recently sort of come to the the clear realization that we probably would have gotten married while we were still in college. But uh, my husband's in the military. And at the time, he was doing um, the Reserve Officer Training Corps program at St. Thomas. And you're not allowed to have dependents. Mm-hmm. And so if we had gotten married legally, I would have had to sign, like, dependent paperwork, um, which is you're not allowed to, um, like, maintain your education status. I, you know, and this was back in, like, 2012, 2013. I don't know how much has changed for ROTC programs now, but, um, so we were kind of in this weird limbo where we got to sophomore year and we're like, well, we've dated for a solid year and we feel really convicted. And, um, if the option was open to us, you know, we'd probably get engaged, plan a wedding, get married. Um, but there was just a lot of this extra dating time. (laughs) That you, you know, we look back and there, um, I think there were some complications outside of our relationship that came from the fact that we could not naturally, or like take the natural uh, next step. Um, but so fast forward, um, we planned a wedding right after, not for right after graduation, but the year after graduating from college, we planned the wedding. Colin did his tech school in California uh, and then came back to um to minnesota we got married we got married at 10 o'clock in the morning had our luncheon reception packed the car and left from the church to go on our honeymoon um we honeymooned in northern minnesota um and then i think our honeymoon was six days long and then we drove straight to his duty station so (laughs) so it was like very much a ripping off of the band-aid like all right you're married like sayonara (laughs) um it was a very clear beginning to okay it's time for married life like there's no wishy-washiness about it Mm -hmm. um but that's Colin uh we we got married in 2016 so I don't know what year it is anymore 23 so seven years yeah we're coming up on seven years Mm -hmm. um in May which is incredible and I'm so lucky um but yeah, that's Colin. Uh, as of right now, we have two kiddos and one on the way. Um, Samuel was born in North Dakota at our first duty station. Um, 
Shout out to all the people living in Minot, all you good Catholics in Minot. Um, we absolutely loved Minot, North Dakota. Uh, then Ruth was born in at our next duty station in Great Falls, Montana. So shout out to all of you who might listen. Um, and then now this baby will be born in Colorado Springs. God willing, it's not on the airplane <laughs> on my way home, which would be fine. I can catch my own baby, but... Um, it would probably be less complicated if, you know, I just cook for another couple weeks. Mm. Um, and we're still on the the name debate, the great name debate. Um, for all of you unmarried, non-parent folks, um, naming can be really difficult. Um, you might think right now that you're going to name your first kid whatever, whatever. But just wait until your spouse is like, no, nah, I don't like that. <laughs> 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 and it becomes more of a conversation and less of a unilateral decision. Um, yeah, it's, we could make it easier for you guys, and I just pick the name. Yeah, and okay. then you <laughs> I, and Colin just yeah, just get along. Can just receive it. And yes, <laughs> right as a gift. That is the gift that we will get from you when the yep. baby is born. Besides I, the lovely crocheted booties and hat. That's right. Did you all know that she can crochet? I didn't know. No, they don't. People are always surprised to find out that I can do girl things. No, no. That's, <laughs> don't put words in my mouth. I'm not surprised that you can do girl things. I, um, knowing how busy you are, it surprises me that you have, like, good quality time for a leisure thing uh, like okay. crochet. Mm-hmm. Um because, like, I know many people who really enjoy crochet and needlepoint and sewing and things like that. And it is a lot of work, mm-hmm. but it's also incredibly, like, it can be very therapeutic and enjoyable. And, like, mm-hmm. so I'm glad that you have time to do that skill. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so that's time when it's important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that's me and Colin. Um, I, I don't want to just say that... Uh, yeah, we got married and it's all been like super easy. And like, we just got married and like, oh, that's it. Like now we have this under our belt for the next, you know, however long we're alive. Um, but you guys never like disagree or anything. Oh, like never, <laughs> never. There was no fights ever. <laughs> Don't think I'm serious. No, um, we, we do disagree on things. And so that's, yeah, that's a great point um, for as, for as easy as it is to look back and gush and kind of rose colored glasses, the whole thing, you know, um, marriage is between two fallen people. And, um, we like, we fight, we disagree, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I also think that our, our dedication from the beginning to, um, knowing what, dating is supposed to lead to and 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 understanding that um you know we're gonna get into this romantic relationship for the purpose of marriage what is the purpose of marriage well you know children necessarily come with marriage in different ways um but um, the other you know main thrust of it is that you take on a responsibility to help your spouse get to heaven. Mm -hmm. It's not your, like only your responsibility. Um, But it is certainly a responsibility because 
the amount of intimacy that comes with marriage, you see the strengths and failings of the other person daily and clearly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I certainly don't want to paint the picture either of like, oh, yes, we're fighting all the time and marriage is always hard and, and things like that. But I think it would be very naive to say it's always one thing or always the other. Sure. Um, and then even beyond that, it's not even always happening the same way simultaneously. So there are definitely times where Colin sees in me ways that I need to change or grow or try a different approach. Um, and... I'm, and and that's kind of like a negative, like the the sort of conflict path of like you need to grow, um, whereas like I'm more on the like, oh you're so great, like thank you for taking care of me, like you're perfect, you just don't <laughs> change anything. Um, it's it's a very um, fluid thing, mm-hmm. like the ins and outs, like it's. Um, I don't know how to describe it well. I have an image in my head, but I don't know that I can um, describe what that image looks like <laughs> clearly. Um, but so it's it's a, a just a very not to like not romanticize it, but it's a very mutually beneficial. It's it's when you approach your responsibilities and your duties within your marriage with a kind of the proper lens and the proper, the rightly ordered heart of, I need to help this other person as best I can, you know, reach eternity. Um, uh, It, I don't know that there's, there's just so much kind of like in the the stew pot going Mm -hmm. on, like, um, you're not always going to get the same responses. You're not always going to get the same um, the same flavor, you mm-hmm. know, the longer you boil the pot, so to speak, <laughs> like, you know, the longer you're in the marriage, um, you pick up on nuances and, or you yourself become more broken, whether it's because of something that your spouse does or because of just something that you experience in the world. Um, and you really have to make those dynamic shifts and you have to be flexible and be understanding. Uh, but the greatest thing is that marriage is a a sacrament you know you the idea is that you're including any of the members of the trinity all the members of the trinity um to help you because Mm -hmm. I am certainly I try my best but often and maybe this is like a you know wife very like feminine understanding but I often feel that I fall short in trying to uh, help or lead or suggest things to my husband um, not because he's incredibly difficult or anything like that but because um, I feel that I myself as a broken person how could I possibly help um, in ways that I see other you know chinks in the armor or something Mm. like that Um, yeah yeah, I want to I want to take what you said about involving the Trinity in the marriage because it is a sacrament. Um because what I'd really like to and then after this I want to move on to also um touch on your reflections about Ruthie, but um 
something that you shared with me, I thought was a really great example of um, what we talk about often on this podcast in, in the monastics, according to St. John Paul II, are supposed to be the reference point for baptized Christians. Mm-hmm. And so we as monastics are supposed to be witnessing, even to you as a married person, uh, what marriage should look like mm-hmm. in some way. Mm-hmm. And so I thought you had had like a great reflection about that. And I just wondered if you could share that with, sure. with our listeners as like an example. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about, yeah? I do. Okay. I do. I'm looking for the, the right words to, to uh-huh. start. Um, so... Because Colin and I approached dating, marriage, family life, all of that um, kind of as a vocation with a very clear understanding of this is beyond two people. Mm-hmm. Um, this this does include a relationship with, with Christ, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, and all the ways that they work similarly and differently um, within relationships. Um it's not, and, and because I listen to this podcast, it's uh, it's not um, uncommon for this, like, reflection on, like, spousal love and what, what a spouse is supposed to do or, like, look like in their actions and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so... Again, I can't necessarily speak to the, um, like, the Byzantine, like, the lay Byzantine um, mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is often said to Latin Catholics who are wanting to get married and people who go through the, you know, wedding marriage prep and things like that is um, that, you know, husbands, you are to love the woman that you're marrying the way that Christ loves his church. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, and then there's the reciprocal, there's the reciprocated relationship and things like that. Um, But it really struck me reflecting on um, a wide variety of things this weekend um, that I've been here that um, I think because of the great uh, dedication, but also just, the way that the Lord created my husband, um, it's it it almost feels like I've been gifted this like ability to live with the like monastic spouse. I'm not explaining it very well, but like you know, monastics being married to Christ and being in a spousal relationship with Christ. Um, I certainly have had times where that it's kind of hit me in the face like a frying pan. Like that is how Colin is loving me. Mm. Um, there's there's ways in which, you know, he's picked me up and dusted me off um, very lovingly and and tried to take care of the needs that I felt were, were not being met. Um, either in motherhood or, or whatever else, um, he, he very swiftly will jump in when he can tell that I'm 
overwhelmed and that I've kind of been served more than I can handle. He will um, very quickly take things off my plate um, and just, you know, for for us married listeners who don't have, you know, it, it's not meant for us, you know, when in listening to a priest and a monastic on this podcast so often um, and mentioning the spousal relationship, you know, we have earthly spouses, but it doesn't mean that we can't be loved in the same way by Christ. We just have to be willing to work with our spouse in such a way that gives them the opportunity to rise to the occasion, Mm -hmm. so to speak, you know, to really rise to that, um, that, that image or that fall into that framework um, that's often talked about in, in Christ loving the church. And um, yeah, I I was really touched too by like the things that you were mentioning to me of these moments that you see Colin loving you in a Christ-like way um, and, and loving you with like a divine love. um, They were like small things, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I mean, they don't, they don't feel small. Right. But that's, that's the thing is it's, it's like we were talking about on the, the episode about miracles when father Michael and I were talking about like, it's not just about the big miracles. It's about the daily miracles right. of the the little prayers that you see answered in a way that you didn't expect and, and things like that, um, where it's very obvious that it's the Lord working. And it's these little things that Colin does for you that you're just kind of struck by, wow, like Jesus was loving me through Colin in that moment. And yeah, absolutely, um, that's what I uh, was, I was just very, very touched by that. Um so I think the other thing that I'd really like you to talk about, because there's this question, eventually I know I need to delve into this more on an episode, but um, but it's so nuanced that it's going to take a lot of research. But uh, for now, I want to at least touch on this idea of healing um, and suffering. And our response to the to to a lack of of healing um, in the way that we want to be healed, or the way that we want our loved ones to be healed, and our response to suffering, um, because those things can be very discouraging, and it can feel like our prayers aren't being answered, and things like that. And and you had shared with me something from a homily that you heard while here at the monastery. And I was actually away for it because uh, a few of us nuns were at the welcome liturgy for Bishop Kurt, who's the new apostolic administrator of our eparchy. So shout out to Bishop Kurt. I think he only remembers me because I melted his carpet before he was a bishop um, (laughs) when I was dating one of his parishioners. And um, anyways, I'm just, (laughs) (laughs) I know. Um, so, uh, but anyways, so Bishop Kurt is now like virtually the Bishop of North America, um, other than yeah, Pittsburgh. Right. But right. Uh, um, he has four eparchies, yeah. people. Four. Yeah. There are, he has four eparchies, and one of those is all of Canada. <laughs> um, 
anyways. That's so many times, though. Bless his heart. I know. So, uh, so anyways, if you could just share kind of a little bit of the background about Ruthie um, to the extent that you desire to, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. then maybe that that homily um, and your reflection from that. Yeah, so um, like I said, I have two kids and one on the way so far. Um, Sweet Samuel's five and a half, uh, and he's incredible, and in a lot of ways, um, in in good ways and bad ways, we'll put it like that. He's a very typical <laughs> and very smart five and a half year old boy. Um, and then we have Ruth, um, and she is she just turned three after Christmas um, during the octave. Uh, which to all of you parents who have kids or all of you listeners who were born either in December around Christmas, right after all of that stuff, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Birthday decorating and making it special. I'm sure it can be challenging and you face some disappointment some years and things like that. But um, Jesus's birthday is also in December. So take heart (laughs) um, and celebrate with him. Uh, anyway, so so Ruth was born in 2019, and uh, so she kind of qualifies as a COVID baby. Um, she was about two months when everything shut down, and so um, it, it, her first year was was very um, different from what a lot of us parents would be used to doing, um, going to play groups and, and things like that. People were, were quite nervous, um, especially not knowing, you know, oh, is all of a sudden, are we going to get a variation that affects, um, little kids much more and all that kind of stuff. Um, but so then at the, about the 13 month mark. So just, just out of 2020, we were just into 2021. Um, she had just, kind of recently turned one. I had been talking with her pediatrician through that time. Um, but especially like that six to nine month mark, um, a lot of parents are familiar, you know, you can start introducing um, purees and, and different foods in a certain order and things like that um, as they get older, but still in that first year. Um, and we had noticed a lot of, um, you know, everybody was asking, oh, does she have sunburn? Does she have frostbite? What's going on? You know, her her cheeks were really what red um, a lot of the time. And she was having some bad eczema behind her knees and, and things like that. And so uh, I was asking the pediatrician, you know, I've done a little research. Can we put in a, a request or a referral for uh, allergy testing? Because there's... Uh, their her her biological aunt so so Colin's sister by blood this is not like a married into it um so the point being a genetically related relative um also has a peanut allergy and so we want to make sure that if we should be cutting foods out of Ruth's diet even temporarily um you know specifically milk will um cause bad eczema and things like that cow's milk will um you know, can you put in that referral? And the pediatrician was surprisingly willing to work with us. And yes, we can definitely do that. Um, I can see that she's uncomfortable and itchy and and all of those things. So um, this is probably a good place to start. Uh, well, 
we got to January and I look back and feel a bit foolish about it. Um, my husband, uh, because of his job in the military, had certain predictable days and like length of time, usually like five day increments um, where he would be gone. Like he'd leave on a Thursday or something and come back five days later. Um, well, I decided, <laughs> I decided, well, Ruth is over the age of one. Um, we're going to go ahead and try peanut butter for the first time. That was a mistake. Um, about 30 minutes after we started, um, you know, I just had put some peanut butter on a spoon and she could sort of taste it and, uh, then eat the rest of her, the rest of her meal. Um, she had all the signs and symptoms of a allergic reaction, um, which is incredibly scary when, you know, it's an adult, but even much more so for a baby, you know, all of a sudden baby's crying. Her stomach is rock hard. She's super pale. She's coughing. She's sneezing. She's throwing up, you know, she's basically got it all, um, minus like what you would say is like true anaphylaxis. Uh, with like the swelling of the um, airways. Um, but because she had a, I forget exactly what they call it, but basically a multi-symptom reaction, they still qualify it as anaphylactic. And so my husband's out of town. I've got my son who knows none the wiser other than that all of a sudden his sister's throwing up in the living room. <laughs> um, and so... I luckily I called a friend and I said I need you to come with your kids you know just put on a movie stay in the living room with with mm -hmm. Samuel I have to take Ruth to the ER um and you know that that was just the very tip of the iceberg the beginning of um discovering all of Ruth's um food allergies and sensitivities and just as an aside all of you who deal especially with really little kids who have food allergies, like you're seen, I see you. It's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly stressful. Um, it makes you anxious all the time, which is in and of itself exhausting. I mean, we have so little bandwidth as parents to be on our, our to be on the ball um, mentally and do all of the, all the things you're supposed to be doing as parents and things like that. And when you have to deal with food allergies. And I mean, I even just was writing an email earlier today. Um, my son who's in pre-K, like I, I'm on the fence about sending him to school on Valentine's day because he's going to bring home candies that aren't safe to be in our house. Um, and just all of that, you know, the domino effect of mm -hmm. having even one child who has a food allergy. Um, it's an, it's, it can be crippling and it can be incredibly painful to see all the ways that it affects her, but also the other ways that it affects family members. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this uh, when mother and I were talking about uh, what I could share on the podcast, what I would be comfortable with. And I never want Ruth to ever in years come back and listen <laughs> to this episode and think that, um, Oh, like our lives were made so hard. Like that's, that's not what I'm saying. Um, we were, Ruth was put in our family 
um, and the genetic lottery, you know, there were just things that she certainly won and things that she certainly lost. And the Lord asked us to love her. And we absolutely do. Our lives would not be the same without Ruth. She's incredibly joyful. She's um, so cute and so funny and so sassy <laughs> and just all the things. Um, but I also quickly want to say to you parents who have children who suffer in a different way, um, it's physical limitations, it's mental limitations, it's um, mental health struggles, especially with middle schoolers and high schoolers. Like the ways that you're stretched and that you suffer because you feel like you can't do more for your children, um, you're also seen because mm -hmm. I'm sure that I've stood next to you in line waiting to check out with my groceries. Mm -hmm. um, and and I also kind of say that because that's when my anxiety is highest, when I'm at the grocery store. You know, I'm, I read every single bag and every single package and we can't buy meat from the deli counter because we don't know if they cut the cheese on the same blade that they cut the meat and all of these kinds of things. Um, so just just know that your silent suffering especially when it comes to to parenthood or or even just other family members siblings who suffer in ways that you love them the best that you can but you know that like you can't heal them like ultimately their bodies and the lord are going to work in conjunction and obviously you know doctors prescribe things but um you may have this very deep desire to alleviate the suffering both for their sake and for your own sake. Um, but just know like God, I don't know if that sounds bad. Like God is watching you suffer. Like he perceives your suffering. He knows that you're suffering. Um, and he's suffering with you. Yes, he absolutely is. Um, and, and so to that point with that, that background knowledge, um, what mother was saying before, um, there was a homily during my time on retreat here um, that was given. And um, the celebrant was saying, I got a phone call um, one weekend after a mass, maybe it was a Monday, whatever, you know, priests are busy after masses on Sundays. Um, and, and it was this woman and she was not, you know, distraught, but she was kind of like, you know what? I have something to say. Um, I I was listening to the readings and all of these things, and I just don't understand how, you know, this man asks Jesus, can you heal my daughter? And Jesus is like, yep. And there you go. Like, there was healing. There was the question asked, and there was the healing performed. Um, and this woman then asks the question and says, why have I been praying for six years that my daughter would be healed and Jesus didn't heal her as quickly as he healed this girl in, in the readings? And, um, and so the priest is saying, you know, I didn't know what to say. What do you even say in that in that opportunity? And this is where we all need to leave room for the Holy Spirit to answer questions like this. Um, 
because he took a moment to sort of contemplate it. And, and he what said, what are your thoughts, by the way, as you're hearing all this? <laughs> um, I, well, yeah. So I'm are you sitting like, there yeah, and I'm yeah. starting like the, the like flushed cheeks, like rage sweat, like, yeah, where is my healing? Like my daughter has been suffering and we in the family have, you know, we've taken on new vocabulary. We've cut certain things out of our diet. We love her so much, but like we are living our lives differently and in a higher, you know, Colin and I are constantly like with, especially with the label reading mm -hmm. and feeling, I don't, feeling like any time that she gets hurt because of food, it's like, I can't believe I did that to mm -hmm. her. I can't believe that I caused more more pain for her. Um, so you're just thinking like, yeah, I get when, you, lady. When? What's yeah, the answer? Exactly. <laughs> um, and he says, we, it's demonstrated to us that the question was asked, you know, the miracle was asked for and it was performed, but we don't know if that healing had been asked for for six years as well. Mm. We don't, we see the miracle in, <clears throat> you know, to give us confidence that miracles happen and mm. are possible and they're performed. Um, but, but who knows how long those prayers had been going up. Mm. Um, and so that was like a surprisingly satisfactory answer to me. Um, like as the parent who's also experienced the suffering with my child. Um, but then, you know, the next step in my thought process, uh, we, like many people um, in our family, we have elderly, um, we have el elderly relatives who are suffering with things like dementia and Alzheimer's and, and things like that. And the question has been sort of quietly posed over the last couple of years. Um, there's, one family member in particular who just her body is hanging on, but her mind has been gone for quite a while. And it, it brings a lot of sadness to the people who love her mm -hmm. um, and especially who visit her regularly. Um, and the question has been asked who at this point, who is it helping? Mm -hmm. Who are we, who are we waiting for? Um, and that, especially that, who are we waiting for? Um, the reason that healing might not be coming and that some people might be asking for healing for a year or six years or until the deathbed or it may never come, which I know that's not like a hopeful thing for me to say, but um, the reason that the healing doesn't always come in the time that we ask for it is because we don't know how many people that healing is actually supposed to heal. Mm. If Ruth's allergies disappeared the minute that I get back to Colorado, I get in the car and miraculously they're all gone. Um, yeah, she's she is healed. She does not carry that suffering, that burden, that cross anymore. We as a family don't. Of course, we would celebrate. We'd have peanut butter pie. Like, we do all of those, like, earthly celebration things. Um, and it would still be a miracle that we can share with others. You know, we can share the story of, of yep, yeah, Ruth was miraculously healed. Like, God answers prayers for miracles, those sorts of things. But we don't know that if we have to pray for six years 
how many other people will be healed kind mm-hmm. of at that six year mark. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't we don't know what's coming down the pike. Who knows if like listeners of this podcast, like, <laughs> it's what they sure. needed to hear. Yes. And it's what it's the healing that they needed that right. they wouldn't have exactly without yeah. exactly. And so even outside of that very sort of specific realm of of food allergies, um if you yourself are suffering with depression or anxiety or something like that which has been mentioned on the podcast before. Like there's there's a clinical approach and a spiritual approach, mm-hmm. right? They they yeah, work yeah. hand in hand. It can be really hard to parse out. And I've been there and I'm sorry if you're in a bad place right now. Um, but um, perhaps the reason that like the veil, you know, God has not pulled back that that veil, that like cloud of mental health is because that person who really doesn't understand you and how you are suffering, maybe next year they're going to have a child who develops symptoms of mental health and they're going to need to ask you about your experience mm-hmm. and they're going to need to get, you know, their teenager in touch with you and you're going to need to meet for coffee. And like, mm. you don't know. Yeah. I. It's, you it's, don't know who all needs to be healed. Like, you don't know if you're going to be part of a big group healing or if it's like going to be individual. You also don't know in what ways you specifically need to grow as somebody witnessing suffering, witnessing brokenness. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, I mean, I'm not saying that it's, I'm, it is hopeful. I'm not saying that it's easy. Um, I certainly still pray that we're going to wake up one day and she's not going to have the allergies, whether we go through a a huge, long immunotherapy program or what it's going to be like. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, just know that the, the brokenness and the ways that you need healing or someone that you love needs healing. It's, it's not like it's not on God's radar. Mm-hmm. He's just, this is an image that's come to me a lot um, on retreat is the Lord in all of his glorious Trinitarian self, like he is a much better weaver than any of us. Mm-hmm. Like the tapestry he's weaving is beautiful. Um, and just because we don't see the way that the threads are are woven and the complicated ways on the, you know, the back, you know, you look at the back of a tapestry and it's just a total mess. Mm-hmm. You know, there's knots and there's, you know, it doesn't look like the beautiful picture that's on the front. Mm-hmm. Um, he is weaving a tapestry. And the other thing to consider is that in the best art, they use black. Mm-hmm. There are shadows you know, even in in um, medieval art, we see representation of heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we see representation of of eternity and of suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't to say you know you're being used or you're just a piece or, or anything like that. Like he's very intentionally weaving all of our lives, all of our stories, all of our sufferings and joys. He's weaving that together. Um, into something that is beautiful to look at. Like he's woven it into creation already up to this point, he will continue weaving. Um, and it's just going to be 
such great beauty and great joy once we finally come to the end of it, um, whether it's the end of our suffering, the end of our life, whatever it is. Um, he knows the picture that he's weaving um, and and on our good days and our bad days, but on our good days, we have to make a really conscious effort to say like, okay, he's probably doing this for a reason. We, we have to try to believe that he's doing it for a reason and that it's not bad for us to be specific in our requests for healing and, and things like that. Um, but just know that if we're not getting the answer that we want, it's because like, that's not the part of the tapestry that we've come to yet. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. That's all really amazing. Sure. Um, we need to wrap up. Yeah. Um, but I'm really, I'm confident that this is going to be helpful and healing for a lot of people. So thank I you hope for so, your, everyone. your courage and your vulnerability. Um, I hope I'm going to throw this out there. I hope I honored my family. I hope if ever any of my family <laughs> listens to this, no one is sad or embarrassed. I, I only said what I said because I love you all and that we can help others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, all right. So as you know, at this point, Hannah, um, <laughs> we give prayer intentions. Um, well, I'll do the spiel first, and then we can each give our, yeah, cool. our prayer intentions. Yeah. So um, we are on Instagram and Facebook, and Father Michael is on Twitter at Padre Michael O. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, you don't know who Father Michael is, but that's fine. <laughs> um and we have a Goodreads page where we share what we're reading and you share what you're reading. And it's really wonderful. There's lots of like great comments that go on there. Uh, Father Michael and I have a nonprofit called Fotina. The website is fotina.org. That's P-H-O-T-I-N-A.org. <laughs> um, and <laughs> the, our podcast website is whatgodisnot.com. Our email address is whatgodisnotpodcast at gmail.com. So feel free to reach out. Um, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever you listen on. And to spread the word about the podcast. So prayer intentions, and then I'll end with a prayer, even though it's not a priest blessing, and I'm sorry. And <laughs> Father Michael can bless you next time. Um, I didn't think ahead of time. Um, but, you know, I will ask for prayers for Ruthie's healing. Um, oh, well, thank you. And in a much more selfish and much less dramatic way, you can <laughs> pray that my foot is healed as well. Yes. <laughs> um, that my heel is healed. And, oh, my goodness. Um, I know, but it is. It's my, it's my Achilles. It's tendon. Oh, I and love it's, it. That's really, I've been much more clever. I wish I could edit that out. Um, no, you don't. <sighs> So, wow, that was like a new way to do it. That was fun. So, um, yeah, Ruthie's healing and um, and Hannah's healing as well. Uh, all of oh, the interior healing um, that my dearly beloved spiritual daughter needs. So, well, thanks, um, mother. Yeah, and uh, what about you? If you were going to ask for Ruthie's healing, sorry, <laughs> stole it. No, that's okay. It's all right. Um, yeah, sorry. Shoot. Um, I know me, it's really hard. Yeah, let me. I guess let me start by by saying I have two great godsons, so pray for them. 
um, they are little. And I shouldn't say great God, godsons. That makes it sound like generationally <laughs> we're separated much more than we wonderful are. They are wonderful. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, for little Will and little Gabe, um, they're great. Um, also pray for my in-laws. I have um, two brothers-in-law, both priests in different dioceses, um, and they are both going through changes like that are kind of related to the diocese um they're going through through changes that they're reacting to or um having to respond to react to um that could be really great but there's always growing pains with things that change so pray for father matthew crane and father gregory crane um and also my wonderful sister-in-law um she's gonna come out with my in-laws in a in a few weeks i don't know when this is going to be released i might have a baby by then um, you'll have a baby by then. Oh my goodness. Um, this so. <laughs> is, this is coming out on February 22nd. That's my due date. What? Oh my gosh. All right. Well, a baby that's maybe out of Hannah's belly at this uh, point. Um, chair of St. Peter, um, for you Latins, don't forget to celebrate your chairs on that day. Um, <laughs> but, uh, she'll be coming out with my, with my in-laws, uh, my mother and father-in-law to help with our two very rambunctious kids who already are you know, running around and growing, um, while I have this, this next baby. Um, and so how about, how about on that note, um, for all of you listeners who are pregnant right now at any point in your pregnancy, um, I pray that all of you, when it comes time to meet your baby, um, in whatever way that looks like, I pray that you have staff at your birth who make you feel empowered and who make you feel respected um, and that that your labor and delivery does not become a time or like doesn't become a memory that um, is hard to reflect on because I certainly have, you know, those like real like pinpointed moments from from both of um, my labors and deliveries with my first two um, that I will never forget until the day I die. And part of it was because I was not in an environment where kind of everybody understood what I was hoping for. Um, and so, so I hope for all of you, all of you joyfully or not so joyfully pregnant ladies who are listening, um, that in your pregnancy, you, you have some some consolation and especially during labor and delivery um it goes as according to your plan as is glorifying to god because the my labors and deliveries with my first two also changed my life i'm approaching this pregnancy and this delivery very differently um long-term goals i hope to be a birth doula so i can help other women feel better and feel more powerful and joyful um in their deliveries so um just know that's a huge soapbox. So if you ever want to talk about birth and, and all that kind of stuff, you just reach out to the podcast and they'll get in touch with me and you can email <laughs> me all you want. Um, but yeah, um, I'm sorry. Last, last thing. Um, Jenny Lamott in Great Falls, if you are listening, I am praying for you and um, for Tim's allergies all the time. So. All right. Um, let's end in prayer. Yeah. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the gift of your handmaiden and daughter, and my daughter, Hannah. 
thank you for um, the ways that she has courageously and vulnerably shared her heart and her experiences. And I ask that you allow those experiences and those places in her heart to bring healing to all of our listeners in whatever ways they need to be healed. I ask that you grant our listeners a spirit of discernment that they may hold fast to anything in this podcast that was from you and to discard anything else. I pray that you help um, help our listeners and Hannah and myself and Father Michael uh, to be receptive to healing in all of the areas that we need it in our lives, to um, help us to see in the places that we've been blind. I pray for uh, Hannah's godsons, for Jenny, for Emma, Father Gregory, Father Matthew, as well as for Colin, Samuel, and Ruthie. And I ask that you give all of us all that we need, even to the salvation of our souls. I ask this through the prayers of St. Hannah, St. Nathaniel, St. Michael the Archangel, the Most Holy Theotokos, and through the prayers of our Holy Fathers, O Lord Jesus Christ, our God, have mercy on us. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.